So it is Mother's Day weekend. It is, uh, you know, Mother's Day is such an interesting time. Uh, it's uh, good, bad, and indifferent. I have a lot of feelings about Mother's Day. Uh, for a long time, I did not like it. Didn't like anything to do with Mother's Day. It was frustrating to me. I had, uh, I had a mother, um, <clears throat> and she, uh, uh, we went through a lot of phases in our relationship. She was, uh, uh, she had two major strokes when I was a year and a half old. Year, I was, I was young. I was about a, anyway. I was just about a year old. And so for my life, she always had this, and she had many strokes throughout her life. And so that always affected her capacity for reasoning or her complete understanding and um, some of her ability. <clears throat> I was the last, and so it was, uh, it was a little bit different in our relationship. And then there was a time that uh, she uh, did not take my side, and so we had a real strained relationship for a while. And then as she got older, we resolved and made that. And also, as a mother, I, uh, I went through a lot of infertility. And it took forever to have these children. And when I finally had this baby, I was like, oh, I wasn't supposed to do this. Oh, no, I didn't know what to do with this child. I'm like, oh, no, it was terrible. And for the, for the first five years of her life, I was like, Oh, I, I wasn't supposed to have a baby. I'm not good. I can't do this. And I went to this seminar and I uh, listened to this woman. I was going as an educator and I was listening to the woman talk about the way we learn and the way we think. And that truly my child thought differently than I did. And I was like, what? And so when I realized that I was absolutely driving her insane and she couldn't process because I wanted her to process like me and she couldn't. And so when I figured that out, I was like, oh, okay, we can get along. And now I have great kids because they're grown and they move, they live someplace else. It's so much better when they do that. Um, and then this whole grandparenting thing, grandparenting thing comes along. Dear Lord, have mercy. Why don't they do that first? It's so much better when you have grandchildren. They're so fun. Like you can love on them and then you can send them away. And it's so nice. You're like, yay, these are great. And so this holiday wraps itself around in a whole bunch of whole bunch of emotions and this holiday mother's day also falls around the same time that there are lots of weddings in this month and the next month and and there are also graduations and all of these things bring i know finally some of our kids will graduate <clears throat> we're just gonna wait till they walk across the aisle and we'll be like yeah um but it brings about a bunch of emotions and it brings a bunch of family and, and we do things because we love and, and all of these things are wrapped in love. And sometimes we get this odd sense of what love really is. And we get this, this, this way to look at it that may be a little bit different. And so today we're going to look at a passage in John that talks about love and talks about um, what God intended for us to understand about love. And uh, I know no other way than to be honest and transparent. And I got smacked in the face this week with a couple of really good lessons, and so I have to share them. Um, because if I'm learning something, I think you should learn something too. And so at my own expense, you'll see how... You'll, you might not come back after this because you'll be like, that girl is crazy. And so just let me prepare you and set that up as we go into this. But we're going to be in John chapter 15. We're starting verse 9. It's on page 897 of your Bibles that are in front of you. 
just like we do uh, all the time, John is one of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and these all tell the story of Jesus. And so these give these accounts, and John's the last one written, and John um, has a unique perspective. John was close to Jesus, and John always um, uh, writes out a perspective of love and he sees Jesus all through everything that he's done, and like the story of the whole Bible. And so John's perspective is a little bit different, and so we're going to look at that. And right before we get into John chapter 9 is, um, is uh, or I'm sorry, chapter 15, verse 9, right before we get there, Jesus has been teaching, and he's with his disciples of the Simon, he's again and again who he is, and and how to live, and in the first eight verses of this chapter is where Jesus is saying, I am the vine, and you are the branches, um, and he talks about um, a grapevine and um, pruning, and so this is a season of pruning, and he talks about, like, remain in me, and we'll grow together, and he says, also, though, when um, things are growing, and we know this because it's this season, and um, we go in, and we take out the things that are dead, and we prune them off, and we take them off, and that gives way to new life. And so Jesus was just saying ahead of here, he was like, listen, if you're not growing and showing new life, then i got to get rid of it. And so if there's something in you that's not doing that, let's get rid of it so that new life can grow. And so he's talking about that, and so this is where we go into it. I'm going to read all the way through it um, and then go back to it because I want to stop everyone and tell you all kinds of things about it, and I don't think that's productive. So we're going to be in 15 verse 9. It says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commands, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends, and since I have told you everything the Father told me, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce everlasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. And so... Jesus says this to him, and he starts off in the beginning when he's telling his disciples, he's like, I'm going to love you as my Father has loved me. And so Jesus is this conduit. He's saying, he was saying, God has given me the example of how to love you. And you see, this whole time when Jesus was here on earth, it was his job to relate uh, God to the people. Like they had lost sight of God. He had been lost in all the rules and the regulations and far, far away. And so he wanted them to know that God was there for them and loved them. And so Jesus is like, I'm the example. If you want to know how God loves, it, like, it's like how I'm showing you, how I'm giving you this example. He said, this is what I'm telling you beyond anything else is that you love as I do. And so we begin to look like, well, how did Jesus love? And like, what did he do? Well, he um, was always out with people. He was always connecting with people. He was connecting with people that nobody else wanted to connect with. He even engaged the religious leaders who had their own strong opinion about what he was doing. He would engage with them. It was 
people always that he was with and always wanted to be connected to. So Jesus said a couple of things um, in here. One of the things is that um, he reminds them that God's love is ever-flowing. And God's love, I think the phrase he uses is abounding in love. Um, And in John chapter 7, if you go back a couple of verses, this is how he... um, This is how he talks about God's love. In 7, verse 38, he says this about the love of God, which is going to make sense for us. In 7, 38, it says, Anyone who believes in me may come and drink, for the scripture declares, rivers of living water flow from his heart. When he said living waters, he was talking about God, and he said, so God is like this river of living water that flows and flows and flows. He's like this, this river that keeps going. I don't know a lot about the biology of a river. A little bit I do know is that as it keeps going, that life keeps growing in there. As things keep moving, it keeps going, that the river allows for new life to come in, and the things that get dead and stuck just keep going down the river because they don't hold on to the life anymore. And so, and so Jesus is saying that God is like this flow, this continual flow that there's so much that it keeps going and going and going. But see, we have a hard time understanding that. Because, I, I mean, maybe you go to a river a lot, but I don't go to a river very often. What I go to that has a flow of water is my faucet. And so I turn it on, and it flows. And I'm like, this is great. I can get whatever I want. But then I turn it off because I'm like, oh, done with that. Don't need it until it doesn't flow. <laughs> so it's this flow that keeps coming, but I control it. And God is saying, Jesus is like, or Jesus is saying, God is like this river that continues to flow and that there's more and more. Let me explain it another way, too, is how he's trying to explain this love. I grew up in a family that was, uh, went to church all the time. We went on Sunday morning, we went on Sunday night, we went on Wednesday night. That's what people did. We went revivals all the time, all week long. It was like, yay, church. But in my family, we grew up in a church that was very concerned about the rules. And so the rules were, you do this and you're good, you don't do this and you're wrong. Or if you do it like this, then you're wrong. And it was real quick that we set up this, this boundary that would say, um, here's what's right, here's what's wrong. And we would say, it became a thing of, we're in, you're out. And church became this section of rules and this is what you have to do in order to be in. I always want to make sure I'm in, so I'm going to be good. And I'm like, oh, not talking to them because they are out, obviously, because they follow all the rules. And what that does is it creates this scarcity mentality. It creates God not as a river that flows, that continues and continues, but God as a piece of pie or a pie. And then when I cut out my piece, I make sure that I have enough because it's going to run out because there's not going to be enough. And it's going to happen. It's not going to, I'm not going to have enough so we get this scarcity mentality. I just spent this last weekend with my family. And I love my family. Let me preface that at the beginning. For whatever I say in the next few minutes, I love my family and will always love my family, especially in case they listen to this later. But I do love them quite a bit. But they have gotten to the place where they have stayed in the place of rules. And they have stayed in the place of where it only works like this, and that, that we're in and they're out. 
And it's been, it was fascinating to, to um, me to begin to see, like, how does that work? And how did that happen? So I began to think about how is it that we stay in this place of rules and we forget to, to understand the flow of God and how there's so much more to it. And so I began to think of it like um, if I go to a waterfall, if I go to some place where there's a whole bunch of water, I can be in that waterfall and it can pour over me and it can be so incredible and it can be so great and I'd be like, yay! And then I step out and I'm done. But if I, this is going to be weird, but if I drink a whole lot of water, that water's going to be in me. And eventually it's going to flow out of me, but it's going to be in me. There's a difference of me being in this waterfall and it's shedding all over me and for the water to be in me and flowing out of me. Does that make sense? Let me show you, let me tell you a little bit. Uh, since I was with my family all weekend and they began, they think like this all the time and I don't think I recognized it. This um, week we have this incredible uh, group that meets on Wednesday mornings. We go to this prayer group and we go to somebody's house and it's just really nice that we go over there. And so we go to her house on Wednesday morning, and as we're driving through, all of her uh, streets got paved. And I'm like, seriously? This is a brand-new neighborhood. How do these streets get all paved? All these streets in my neighborhood, I don't get any new pavement. How does this new neighborhood get a pavement? And I'm just rambling, and I'm like, I can't believe this. So we go inside, and i got to bring it up again. And I'm like, huh, can you believe those streets got paved? And then uh, the woman who lives at the house was like, oh, yeah. She's like, you know, with all this construction, she said before when it wasn't there, she was like, I would go out to the mailbox and I actually twisted my ankle because, and I'm like, I can't believe those streets are paved. No other streets are paved. And I began to do this. Well, this is on a Wednesday morning. Wednesday night, we come to church and uh, we have a little Bible study and that same family that we went to their house, they're there. And so that night, for some reason, I got to bring the pavement up again and I'm like, Oh, yeah, your streets got paved. He's like, yeah, that's the first time they've been paved because of all the construction. So it was the first pavement. I'm like, huh, can't believe we didn't get paved. Like, There's so many streets. You're brand new. How'd you get paved? And then the next day I'm driving, and it smacks me in the face. Sheila, are you scared that there's not going to be enough pavement for everyone in the world? Are you afraid that, that your streets aren't ever going to be paved? Because you walk on fine streets every day. Your neighborhood looks fine. What is it, Sheila, that you're afraid of? And I began to realize that I am looking at life in a scarcity mentality. I'm thinking, oh, there's not enough. They got a piece of pie. I want a piece of pie because I didn't get enough. And I'm beginning to see that those little things flow out of what's in my heart. And that I'm beginning to think, oh, there's not enough. And so that floods into everything else. And so it reminds me that when I'm with my family, who thinks like this, I begin to. And so then that goes into everything else that I'm doing. And I'm recognizing God's like, Sheila, seriously? You're worried about pavement? And I'm like, oh, dang it. <laughs> I am worried about pavement. And it's this small little thing, but it was this huge thing that made me recognize that this is what I'm doing. I'm in this waterfall. I'm like, hey, wait. No, they're not in. Obviously, that's not right. They got something. I didn't get it and I'm working my whole everything that I see out of a mentality that there's not going to be enough and i got to make sure there's enough for me. When Jesus just said to love as God loves and God is like this river that flows again and again and again and it always goes and that his love is enough to flow out of us. 
that I don't have to be scared about pavement. I don't have to be scared about that. That I can recognize that God's love flows so, so through me that I can say, you got pavement? Yay! That's so great. Oh, that's going to be good for everybody. And you see how my heart changes? Is that I'm like, oh. And it comes because I spend all this time with my family that has always just gone under the, the waterfall and like, oh, we're lucky to have a waterfall. We're good. And they're good people. You would like them. If they come, don't tell them. <laughs> you would love them, and they're good, and they're kind. But it just goes on the outside. And they've never, like, drank the water so that it comes in, so that it can flow out. And I'm like, oh, man, that's what I want. I want it to be in and flow out of me. I don't want to just be afraid that there's not ever going to be enough or that, oh, wait, I'm just good enough. I don't have to worry about anybody else. I want to worry about everybody else. I want to be able to come alongside people who are struggling and say, hey, can I give you a hand with that? Can I walk with you? I want to be able to come alongside people who are having a great time and things are going so well for them and go, yeah, yay you, that's so good. I want to be able to be with people right where they are because I know God's love flows through me and he has given me enough of everything and it's going to be okay. But when I begin to divide God and think that there's not going to be enough or that some people are not right, it is not my job to tell somebody that they're absolutely wrong. It's not my job to tell somebody and say, hey, really blew it, didn't you? It's God's job to do that. It's my job to come alongside somebody. Now, if I have a friend who is doing something that is absolutely wrong, and she comes up to me and says, hey, what do you think about this? I'm going to tell her. I'm going to say, ye, don't stand next to me in a storm. Not really. But I am going to say, hey, let's look at this. You see, we need to have people in our life that pour into us as God does. Like, we need to have people in our life who come around us and remind us of these things. We need to have people in our life who will gently and kindly and say, hey, you want to talk about that? Hey, you want to experience this? Hey, we want to come together on this? But we can do that when God's love flows through us. When somebody asks, hey, do you think this is a good idea? I think we can give our opinion. I think we can say, nope, <laughs> it's a horrible idea. Because it could cause this and this and it could be. And if they say, really, it's a horrible idea? I think I'm going to do it anyway. Okay, I love you. I'm going to be praying for you. And I'll be here at the bottom when I probably wouldn't say that because then that sounds like, I know what you don't. I'm going to be reminded that God's love is so ever-flowing, and I'm going to pray for the love to flow through them. I'm going to pray for God to wrap in them in such a way that is so different than what we can experience. You see, that's what I think is so amazing about this love that he talks about. I want to read it to you um, from the message. The message is a different translation of the Bible. It's Eugene Peterson wrote this, and um, he translated all the text um, into, like, um, an everyday language. And it, I, 
listen to this and you'll understand how it says it. It says, I loved you the way my Father has loved me. Make yourselves at home in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain intimately at home in my love. See, that's what I've done. I've kept my Father's commands and, he made, and made myself at home in his love. I've told you these things for a purpose, that my joy may be your joy and that your joy will wholly mature. This is my command. Love one another the way I loved you. This is the very best way to love. Put your life on the line for, the fr on your friend, for your friends. You are my friends when you do the things I command you. I'm no longer calling you servants because servants don't understand that what their master is thinking and planning. No, I've named you friends because I let you do everything, let you in on everything I've heard from the Father. You didn't choose me. Remember, I chose you and put you in the world to bear fruit, fruit that won't spoil. As fruit bearers, whatever you ask the Father in relation to me, he gives you. But remember the root command to love one another. To love one another. That is what, in the bottom of all of this, this is what's the important thing, is that we love one another. And it's easier to love when the water is flowing through you. It's easier to love when you have the power of the Spirit flowing through you. Because when we just keep it at the edge, we just dip our toes in it every once in a while, then it becomes really easy to say, oh, that's not right. Oh, wait, there's not going to be enough. I can't, no. And we begin to get this scarcity mentality when God flows so freely and constantly. That's, that's what I learned this week. I learned that no matter where I am, <laughs> no matter what I'm doing, God's still teaching me lessons, and I still have to learn these things. And they're in the stupidest ways of paved streets. But thank the Lord, they're in these ways of paved streets. Here's what Jesus said all the time when people were questioning him, when he was going through and he was healing people on the Sabbath when that wasn't okay, or when he was loving on people that nobody else wanted to be around. When people began to come to him and ask and and look at him differently and say, what is this that you're all about? He would say, come and see. As his disciples began to live through it, they would say, uh, as one of the early disciples were, um, were being called, and he went to go get his brother, he was like, hey, this is Messiah, we found him. And, and his brother's like, he's from Nazareth. What good comes from Nazareth? Blah. And he said, come and see. Come and see. I want to be the kind of person that somebody can say, hey, come and see, she's really nice. Hey, come and see, she's, she's accepting of us. Hey, come and see, she really, she'll tell you how it is in a kind way. But she won't let you slip and fall. She'll be there to be your friend. If you don't know, come and see who Jesus is. He flows freely and easily. And that's what can flow through us. In just a few minutes, we're going to share in communion together. In this incredible space of communion, this incredible table that was set up before us. And, and just as God set it up, he said, everyone's welcome to the table. You see, that's how Jesus intended it. 
And so he sent this out, and he's with his disciples, these guys who nobody else would have chosen. The religious leaders didn't choose these guys. The religious leaders weren't the ones going, hey, you guys look some really sharp people. I think you know. Let's come. No. These were everyday people, and Jesus chose them and said, hey, come and learn. Come and see. Come and experience God. Be reminded that he has so much for you. And so when he was with his disciples on this last meal that he knew to be their last meal, they didn't. But it was the last meal that they were with him. He took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. And he took the cup of wine and he blessed it and he said, this is my blood shed for you. And he said, when you do this, you'll remember that my body was broken and my blood was shed for you. No exceptions for you. And that you can receive this life-giving flow, that you can receive forgiveness, you can receive grace, mercy, peace. You can receive these things as we take together. In just a few minutes, I'm going to ask you to stand and we're going to pray. I'm going to ask you to walk to the outside of your aisle to come up front, take the gluten-free wafer to dip it into the juice, put it in your mouth, and go back down the center to your seat. And to be reminded that we are all invited to what God has for us. Stand with me, if you will. Heavenly Father, thank you for this reminder of your love. Thank you for this grace and mercy. Thank you, God, that you have um, given us all that we need for love, for peace, for mercy. Fill us now, God, as we receive these elements. We ask this in your name. Amen.